Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Brett L. Pate. That's Coach Bruce. And this is the Coach Approach. Stay on. Coach, what's up, brother, man? How you doing, man? Happy birthday. I, I it's, it's weird that you didn't even make it known last week prior to the show. It was your birthday on April 1st, so happy birthday. I hope it was a great day and uh, to many more, brother. 48 years young, man. Never felt never felt a day over 50. Uh, I mean, it's uh, 48 is interesting, man. I, I swear the older you get, the faster the years go by. It's unbelievable, man. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. If, you know, 50s really is the kind of old 30s in the sense that, man, I'm feeling pretty good. I am I turn 51 tomorrow. And with that being said, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm happy where I'm at at this age. And I don't know if I would trade it in for any age I've had prior. Well, happy early birthday to you for tomorrow, man. You, you got me by, or I got you, I should say, Uh you got me by three years. I'm struggling with my math there, but you got me by three years. But hey, you know, details don't matter, right? No, no, I'm not really. I mean, last week you made fun of, uh, you know, being the, me coming up to your knee is I think what you described it and called me Dorf on golf. And now I'm sure you've got a little uh, something in your back pocket you can always use, and that's my age. But I'm okay with it because, again, like I said, pretty happy where I'm at. Let's jump right into the news because we got a big show that I'm really excited about. And yeah. I'm really excited about the coach approach. You know, we talked about it last week, just in the sense of where we kind of wanted to take some time and see where we really wanted to take this podcast. And I think what we've come up with is something that we're happy with because we feel like what we're going to try and do is take you through the whole process that we go through as fantasy managers. And, and with the season having ended a couple months ago and the exciting time of the draft coming up, we're just going to walk you through the way we do everything. And one of the things that you have done in your suit to get better is to take mass amounts of consensus or mass amounts of rankings and combine them to a consensus ranking so you can kind of get a feel of what you feel like the top 25 managers or top 25 analysts in fantasy football, whether it be draft or excuse me, whether it be redraft dynasty or whatever. And you've come up with rankings for it. And man, I'm really excited that we're going to kind of take that and run with it. We're going to announce from here on out, uh, you know, every week we're going to kind of release the weekly rankings, whether it be in dynasty and that, like you said last week, uh, later on, we'll have redraft. Debbie, we're going to kind of turn this into a stick, a stick, though, that is more than just trying to find our own niche, but a stick in which is beneficial to that player time to develop their own rankings or doesn't have time to put in the type of work that you and I may be able to do. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be segments to how we do this. And I think, you know, now we're in this offseason and we haven't even gotten the NFL draft, which I know is super exciting. Everybody's coming out with their rookie profiles and their breakdowns and their rankings. And some people are saying, hey, it's way too early for rankings. You know, we don't even know what the landing spots are. But th this is when I think as fantasy people that play fantasy football, first and foremost, the coach approach is always something you and I, because we have coaching backgrounds and you know, athletic backgrounds, it was something we want to say, hey, look, there's there's more than just reading the analytics or just reading the film. It's also understanding what do those 32 teams do. And eventually we're going to get into, you know, the schemes, you know, why we like certain players and certain fits. And we talk about reading coverages and what we're seeing. We watch film on quarterbacks and what we're seeing when we're, when we're, when we're scouting, you know, the run game, so to speak. But, you know, that will save that for, for down the road. I think initially it's just all about this is that time of year where, we are going to start having some drafts. There's a lot of startup drafts that are happening now. Uh, a lot of people wait until after the rookies have landed on their teams and they do their startup drafts. Uh, we want the coach approach to be something where, hey, we're going to bring actual football into fantasy football, uh, but allow you to walk into your draft room, whether it's it's online or it's in person um, or it's done through sleeper, um, whatever that is, that you're prepared. You know, you've got your 250 you know, your top 250 rankings in front of you, you understand how to use it. You understand how to read the board. You understand what other players in your draft are doing. You understand what the scoring system is. So we want to help you be a lot more prepared for those drafts and, and kind of why we do things the way we do. And um, I'm really excited about the direction we're going to take the coach approach. Yeah, I am as well. And one of the things that I, I am, you know, for me, it really is about the process. For me, because if you focus strictly on, winning games in Sunday in November, you know, there's so much more to fantasy football than that. The roster building for me is what I enjoy more. If I was able to strictly be your GM and now come September, you're setting lineups and you're doing this and that, and all I'm trying to do is make your team better, I'd be happy as hell. But with that being said, we're just going to kind of go through it all as it relates to dynasty, redraft, whatever it may be, all the way up until the start of the 2022 season and just kind of show you how we kind of go through the process of getting ourselves ready for the next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the fun part about the season that we are in is, is we are, if, if you're in dynasty leagues, then you are getting ready for your rookie drafts. You know, typically in dynasty leagues, when it's this time of the year, you're drafting your veterans first and then you're using either kickers as placeholders because you're going to wait for landing spots and do a separate rookie draft after the NFL draft. Um, or you're already drafting rookies without knowing what their landing spots are. And those that, that play in dynasty and have done it for a long time that do a lot of their own film grades and, and, and rookie profiles, they're confident in their process and they like doing those drafts now because they feel like there's more of an art um, to it. I think with the coach approach and what we love is we're, we're all about the consensus. We're all about taking the masses and making them better fantasy football players and not just players become a space where it's really analysts giving analysts advice. You know, they're, they're experienced fantasy players. They've been playing dynasty for a lot longer. They've been doing super flex a lot longer than the masses where a lot of those people are still doing. Well, I, I think and that kind of happens. Right. I think that, you know, just my personal opinion of the whole Twitter space is I think the reason why it's a lot of analysts talking to other analysts is because, quite frankly, prior to me feeling like I was comfortable in the fantasy football community, I didn't comment on a lot of tweets. I didn't yeah. question a lot of tweets. And so when you see the back and forth, it is mostly 
uh, other analysts comment on, yeah, but, or whatever it may be, yeah, great take, whatever it may be. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think that is, it is a great resource. You as a player looking at what we see daily on Twitter, you're kind of like a fly in the wall watching a bunch of people who put way more time into it than we do talk about how they get to their place and who they pick after they get to their place. So whether it not whether they're purposely trying to avoid reaching out, I, I don't think it's really that. I think it's more about those are just people who interact with each other because, A, they feel comfortable doing so, and, yeah. B, they have the time knowing that they're comfortable with their comments. No, absolutely, 100%. I think you know Twitter is all about if you're trying to become a better fantasy player, just network, or if you're a content creator looking to get that get content out to the masses, you know, follower count is important. You know, a lot of people talk about I don't you know care about follower count, or you know, hey, I just want to grow my account organically, or you know, these accounts are are, are I don't even know what the fame, what's the term that people use now, uh, engagement farming, I think they call it. Uh, right. If, if you're a content creator, or you're looking to get better at your craft, or you want to, you know, rub elbows with people in the space. Yeah, that's a big part of it. You know, followers do matter. The more people you have looking at what you're putting now, um, the more you're getting your name out there, the more connected you get. You know, you have an opportunity to do more in this space than, you know, than the average fantasy player. And so I, I think it's extremely important. We want to be here for exactly those people, people that want to be get better, but also want to share ideas and concepts. And, and partner up and figure out how do we make this space a lot better. Uh, and hopefully that's what the coach approach will bring and people will recognize that. Uh, more importantly, though, for me, it's an opportunity. How many times prior to any podcast or prior to you and I really knowing each other, did we DM each other and say, hey, bro, I'm looking to make this trade. What do you think about this? I mean, that started from virtually day one that you and I joined the league. And, and you know, to me, the podcast will and always will be about us talking about our own journey in fantasy football, whether it be, I mean, strictly be about our leagues because we want to be successful and that's what it's always been. Um, but at the same time, I think it gives you a great perspective and things that you should be looking at when you're making deals or when you're making picks or when you're making any decision as it relates to wins and losses come the fall. Yeah. And you know, what's neat too is, is I think what we don't see enough of is <clears throat> analysts not sharing um like i send a lot of trade opportunities that i have or where i'm at in a certain draft and i might send the same message to 15 different analysts and it's not because i don't know what i want to do it's because if it's a real draft that's the time you learn the most from people and at the time where you you can sync your thought process with theirs and see if you're on the same page and put them on the spot so to speak and say hey I know who you like and who you don't like based on what you post. I'm going to send you something that kind of correlates to what we have talked about and see which way you would go. And sometimes it's to reinforce the idea that I have or the, the move that I want to make. And sometimes it takes hearing other analysts break it down a little bit differently and say, man, I didn't think of it that way. That's a great idea. And I wish more analysts would do that. I think sometimes it's like, hey, I'm too proud. I'm not going to ask other analysts for advice or what their takes are. There's not enough of that in this space. And, and so hopefully we can, we can, you know, find a way to get more of that because I, I think that's how you learn is asking real questions when you're actually in a situation where those answers are important, you know, and not being shy. So if you're looking to grow in that space, you're looking to network, ask questions, you know, there's no such thing as a dumb question. You know, that's how, that's how you learn and you grow and you make connections. 
the weird thing is as much fear as you and I may have had in the past to uh, DM a Tyler Carp or DM a Sam Wallace or DM a, you know, Du Bois at Cowboys. I mean, just all that, all those people that you have much respect for is that I don't want it to, I guess what I'm really trying to say is I don't want it to come off as that they're not approachable. I don't want it to come off as if analysts who are talking to analysts don't care about anybody else because that's not the case that I've ever experienced in this space. The community, no, as a right. whole, the community as a whole does everything it can to help people get better and grow in whatever avenue they want to. So I just want to say that because right now you and I are on a space created by Christian Williams at NFL, at NFL Christian Williams. And he, I mean, he has given us every opportunity. And that guy and Kevin and Jeff Bell, those guys have put together such incredible content on the Devil Royale, Devil Royale that, I mean, we're, we're, we're grateful for everything that we see here and get from anybody who's in this space. But at the same time, I think that reaching out to the people who are simply like we used to be and just, Hey, give me, give me as much information as quickly and easy to get. And that's something the consensus ranking certainly does. Yeah. I, I have never been a shy person. I mean, I, I've reached out to some of the top names in the industry. I've reached out to, uh, you know, some other people that have, you know, our content creators, I respect a ton. And sometimes it's just, hey, man, I really appreciate your work. I love what you do. I love your angle on this. Can you, can you talk me through your process and how you came up with that? Here's how I see it. I want to understand, you know, where you're coming from. And I think when you really have, I've never had anybody that ignores it, that doesn't respond to it. I mean, the people in this space are really, really good. Because first off, if I feel like you're someone that wouldn't respond to it, I'm not taking the time to send it to anything to you anyway, right? right. If you come across as someone that's not approachable or, hey, I'm just all about, um, you know, telling you guys how it is. And if someone has a different opinion, you don't want to hear it. You know, I, I'm not going to DM those people anyway, you know, but right. everybody from people we've had on the coach approach, we've had some of the greatest guests from, you know, Sam Wallace, you mentioned C Williams NFL or C Williams NFL and, and Kevin and Jeff and from the cut and, and Corey Bushland from fantasy stock exchange. And um, we've created stuff. We've had some of the best hosts and, and honestly, Meeting those guys at the expo, interacting with them on Twitter, they are some of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And I think that's what's really cool about this space is, is there's so many great people in it. Absolutely. So here we go. Let's let's just jump into it. That was supposed to be our intro, and we can just talk forever because we're talking NFL football. But yep. let's get into last week's news, trades, and signings. First trade, let's get right off the bat. Eagles and Saints pulled off a trade earlier this week. The Saints acquired the 16th. 19th and 194th pick. The Eagle in that same trade got the 18th, the 101, the 237, and the first in 2023, and a second in 2024. Just looking at this and, and being a guy who plays Dynasty where value is everything, the Eagles did a hell of a job in this trade. And I tell you what, as a Cowboys fan, if there's a fan base that I probably dislike, it's probably the Eagles and the Seahawks. But um, I'm also a realist and have a ton of respect for all 32 franchises and have a lot of fun with, with fans from both teams on, on Twitter. But, yeah, I, I think the Eagles are doing it the right way. I made a post the other day that, you know, the Eagles are known for, you know, messing up draft picks. If you want to talk about Jalen Rager and JGR Sega Whiteside, and you go on and on and on about where they've struggled in the draft, drafting Carson Wentz. Oh, no, but never mind. 
offense with Jalen Hurts. Okay, now we're going to trade Carson Wentz. Now we don't know if we believe in Jalen Hurts. It's a fickle fan base, but I think when you look at what they're doing, what Howie Roseman has done, I, I love it. And, and I, if, if I'm a GM and I'm looking to build a team and put myself in a position to be not only improved in the short term, but create long-term success, I would do it exactly the way that Howie Roseman is doing. He recognized that this isn't as deep of a draft. Uh, they're giving Jalen Hurts another year to see what they have, which I think is the right move. And it's a deeper quarterback class next year than we have this year. And you look at that and go, hey, we can improve ourselves this year with the first that we have. You get two firsts in 2023, and you get a 2022 and 2023, and you get two seconds in 2024. You can now build a roster. Well, perfect scenario, Jalen Hurts plays really well. They realize they got the franchise guy. You're not wasting the two picks next year on a quarterback. You're actually building the roster around him. I love this trade for the Eagles. And, you know, I like it for the Saints, too. They're getting some picks now. And exactly. You know, a lot of holes to fill, too. It's, it's a win-win trade. That's, I think, the best part about it. I, you know, win-win value-wise, a lot of people say, you know, no way. Value-wise, it's the Eagles all the way. And I totally yeah. get it. I, and we've talked about you and I have a different philosophy when it comes to drafting. We'll get more into that later on when it comes to consensus rankings. But with that being said, if the Saints – and there's a quarterback that is really getting a lot of buzz right now. In fact, Daniel Jeremiah on his latest podcast said that Desmond Ritter is just blowing away the whole trap process, draft process and just killing it. So let's just theoretically point out that – if you got somebody sitting there in an early first round and the Saints offer 16 and 19 to move up to get their guy at quarterback, I've seen some comps where Desmond Ritter, with his athletic ability, with his ability to manipulate the pocket, has a lot of Russell Wilson in him. I guarantee you if you were going to go up to Pete Carroll or their GM, John Snyder, and say, if you had to pick – Russell Wilson in that draft in the first round, would you have done it? They would have said yes. So if they truly believe that Desmond Ritter, whoever their quarterback that they're pinning to move up for, if this is what the deal is all about, turns out to be a Russell Wilson, they're going to be pretty freaking happy with this trade, no matter how much value the Eagles got in it. No, and I think, you know, you brought Jameis Winston re-signed, you brought in Andy Dalton, and now you've, you've, you've gotten two picks in the first round at 16 and 19 you acquired from the – the two picks you acquired from the Eagles. Um, so you have an opportunity now to really build a roster, and I think that's what some of the conversation is too, is, hey, is this the Saints' way of saying, yes, we like Jameis Winston, but we also feel like we want to bring somebody else in. If you can trade those two picks and move up and get your guy – or maybe you sit and wait if Desmond Ritter is dropping. You feel like you can get him at 16, which mock drafts have different orders of quarterbacks, you know, as high as Malik Willis going at number two um, to uh, the Lions and saying, hey, we're going to move off from Jared Goff or maybe Malik Willis and let him sit behind Goff. There's so many different mock drafts out there, but uh, I, I think it's a, it's a smart move for both teams. Uh, I think it is a win-win. Yeah, if you look at straight value and which rosters, you know, in a position to be uh, – a rebuild quicker. I think the Eagles have put themselves in that position for sure. But I like this move for the Saints too. And, and I'm a big Desmond Ritter guy too. You and I have talked about this, you know, off air. Um, I'm a big Desmond Ritter guy as well. Um, we'll probably get into more more rookie breakdowns being closer to the draft. But 
Uh, I, I agree. I think it makes sense. Um, I think for the Eagles, I love it a little bit more than I do for the Saints, but I do think it is, is a trade you look at and go, I can see where both sides won this trade. And that's not always the case. All right, let's move on to another one. And, and that was the news that this week that Honey Badger was meeting with the said uh, the Saints. And, and, you know, him being an LSU guy and him being – if you talk to anybody from the Kansas City organization, all they will tell you is what a stand-up guy the Honey Badger was in his time there. And everybody has talked about that, which is ironic as hell – because some of the issues he had when he was at LSU made a lot of people concerned about how he'd be as a pro. And he's been nothing but a great team leader. If they're able to put him in there in the back of their lineup after they just lost Malcolm Jenkins, I think that would be a great signing for them. No, I think it is too. And I think if you look at statistically what he's done, and I won't get a whole lot into it, but Tyron um, <clears throat> Matthew was a guy that he went and got at LSU. You know, he wasn't the fastest guy. He wasn't the strongest guy in the weight room. Uh, but he's a ball hawk. Wherever the he's ball is, he, he makes interceptions. He, he forces fumbles. He recovers fumbles. He's, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands when it, when it happens. I love. I've loved him from when he was at LSU. I loved him when he got drafted in the NFL. And I, I hope that, that he was, was in your backyard there. when he got drafted in the NFL. Yeah, he was. He was. That's exactly it. And I, he's a guy that you can't help but root for. They just showed a clip the other day. We went back right. to LSU and he gave a speech to the. To the team, and he talked about that. You know, it's it's really cool to get these big division one offers and play in these, you know, massive stadiums in the NFL. But he's like, I'm past, I'm past all the, you know, trying to get credit anymore. I'm trying to, you know, prove a point. Like I, I, I made it. I'm here. I'm that guy. Um, but I'm never going to stop being hungry. And I think that's what he brings to that locker room. And he had some off the field problems, you know, back in the day. He's you know, it's so funny. And, and yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but. You talk about his off-season problems or his off-field problems when he was at LSU. Well, do you remember what those problems were? I don't off the top of my head. So, please don't Well, I will tell you this. If I remember correctly, 90 – I mean, most of his problems – what are you drinking there, Coach? I, I see you pouring something. It was a pretty nice bottle you got. Why don't you share that? You know, it, it's the uh, 48th birthday, Bruce, um, the cancer here that I got. So I figure, you know, why not? You know, when you're doing a podcast, take the time, do a little self-promotion. So there you yeah, go. don't worry about it. Man. Just carry on. There you go. All right. So going back to him and his issues, I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure 90% of his issues were due to failed drug tests for marijuana. How do you feel about marijuana or whatever? We're not going to get into that. But I am a belief that it's not much different than me having a drink of beer. So with that being said, the only difference is that he knew it was not able to do it because they were getting tested, and yet he still got caught over and over yeah. again. But whatever. The guy's been a consummate pro, and he's proven to be nothing but a great team player all the way through his career. Moving on, the other news this week came out that tight end Rob Gronkowski, sorry about that, only one of the top three tight ends of all time, um, is not ready to commit to the NFL season, even though Tom Brady has come back um, from retirement. And with that being said, to me, this is nothing more than Rob's not ready to give up his lifestyle right now, and yet... When we're sitting here in the uh, hot summer days of August, 
you'll probably see him resign and, and get back in there. He just doesn't want to put in the time now. It's so funny. If you watch any of the videos they talked about earlier in the year about him saying, I don't even watch film. I just wait for freaking Tom to tell me where to go. Well, he'll show up and he'll be fine. Yeah, we're on the same page here. We've talked about this. Rob Gronkowski, I have a hard time believing he's retiring. Fournette's come back. Tom Brady's come back. Um, Chris Godwin, of course, had the injury. He'll be coming back. Um, <clears throat> Mike Evans is still there. They've got a, a defense. That it, it's If you're going to get an opportunity, if anybody can take a team, uh, the combination of, of Tom Brady and, and, and Rob Gronkowski, what they can do with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette in that offense, um, I, I think it's if Gronkowski wants to make another run of Super Bowl, he's coming back and he's going to play again. It's going to be with Tom Brady. Yeah, that's it. I, it, it, that's, it. I think that's known. Here's the thing. If my job told me, hey, coach, you don't have to work till August 31st, but we'd sure like you to come back. And you're damn right. I'm going to wait till August 31st. I'm not going to go right back right now, but we're going to move on. Um, Stefan Diggs, with all the moves that have gone on in this offseason with trades and huge signings to receivers, it's obvious the NFL values receivers. It's, it's weird because – there's been a shift in one quarterback dynasty leagues for me where receivers now, if it was 15 years ago, I cannot trade a CD lamb straight across for Najee Harris because no. running backs were just running backs were everything. And now it's kind of changed because if you get a Jerry Rice at 21, the likelihood that Jerry Rice is going to be 35 and still giving you those type of numbers is a hell of a lot more likely than if I get a Javante Williams or a someone from that back that back there or a, or a Craig Roger Craig. The lifespan of a running back and receiver is so different. So to see Stephon Diggs kind of jump on the back of all these other receivers and get paid, you got to be happy for the Buffalo Bills to be able to get this done. No, and not only is it is it different from back then to now, but it, it's 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 a completely different game. I mean, it's like the NBA, right? You know, you can't hand check anymore. You can't body guys like you used to. The NFL has become where you can't touch receivers beyond five yards. You know, you've got the the leading with the helmet. You've got the pass interference. I mean, it's such a different game. It's become basketball on grass. It's become a passing league, and. Back in the day, like you're talking about, volume was king, and you had a lot of third down backs. You don't have that anymore. There are very few, very few third down backs, like legitimate third three down, down backs. backs. Yes. There's yeah, third so down I, backs. They only play on third down, right? But there's not a lot of three down backs. Shoot, you've got teams, Brett. You know this. You've got teams where you got a first and second down guy, then you got a third down guy, and then you got a yeah. short yardage and goal line guy. I mean, it, it's. Yeah. The game has changed. Different game. So it's all about yeah. wide receivers now. But, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, we're just in a different time. And I always say basketball and grass because that's kind of what the NFL has become. It's all about putting points up. And it used to be we always joked around that defense wins championships. And I'm a full guy now that says if you look at the Super Bowl winners of the last several years, offense has been pretty freaking important. You've got to, at the end of the day, the team with the most points wins the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that's about it for the news. So let's jump in to the consensus rankings. First and foremost, if I'm a first-time player in fantasy football, I'm going to want to utilize rankings and consensus rankings in what format? What, what is the best way if I'm going to start out and start making trades 
or start making draft picks? How do I use the rankings that you're putting out? Well, I think that that's such a great question. I, I think what people need to understand is there, there's if you don't have the time to put your own to put rankings together or if you don't have the time to go into all the paid sites and look at what and those or the money or the money, yeah. which is look, I'm fortunate enough to be at a time in my life paying for a subscription to a site is not that big of a deal. But if it was when I started playing fantasy football as a 24-year-old, I would not be able to do what I do now as far as it relates to spending money on a hobby, more importantly, on a game. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's an incredible resource. Yeah, so the consensus rankings have started out was just that, was, hey, how do I help more people in the fantasy space win their leagues? And how do I help them be more prepared in the draft, there's an old saying that the draft is important, but trades are what win you leagues. You draft for talent and trade for, for championships. And look, there's a lot of truth to that. But if you go in and you completely screw up a draft, like you're not going to be competitive. I mean, that's the bottom line. You've got, you're relying on people in that league to want to trade with you and want to trade at the value that you see best for your team. And that that's a gamble. And so what this does, what the consensus rankings do that I put together is I have taken the time to go to all the sites and combine the top fantasy sites and get with the top analysts in the space and say, look, I'm going to put all your rankings together in one format, into one document, and I'm going to get a true consensus ranking in the dynasty. If it's a redraft, if it's one quarterback, if it's superflex, and start putting that stuff together. So I've already got the dynasty part, superflex part of it down. That's all done now. And what that does now is say, hey, look, I can tell you based on all the top sites where a guy is, is ranked. And I can tell you who is ranking in the highest and who is ranking in the lowest. I won't tell you necessarily who that analyst is uh, just to protect them. And, and look, it's worth the money to spend to go out and get these. Let me say that first and foremost. This is not sure. taking away from that because there's so much more of those sites you can learn from the podcast and, and everything else they do. I advise you to go pay for those sites. It's well worth the money, but it's just allowing me to say, hey, look, I'll do all the work for you. I'll put all the consensus rankings together. And I can tell you as a whole who the most well-known people in the fantasy space and how they evaluate players and where they're placing them to help you be more prepared in your draft, help, help you be more prepared to set up trades. That's really why I wanted to take the time to put the consensus rankings together. This is the second year I've done it. And it, it, I think last year I had 31 analysts uh, by the time the season started. I'm already at 23, 24 actually. Um, and I haven't even gotten the NFL draft yet. By the time we get to the start of the season, I'll probably have another 20 or 30 more analysts that will be a part of that. So it's going to really truly be a true consensus ranking. No, I, I love it. And, and, and I think we should talk about how each one of us utilizes rankings. And, and, I, and I'll go ahead and be straight, straightforward. Um, I used to be, or no, I still am, I'm a Patreon to a number of different analysts that you find on Dynasty. Yeah. Or find on Twitter, and with that being said, one of the people that I subscribe to is is, a, is strictly a value guy, and I, and I'm all in on that concept. And so, how I used rankings um, is I would take his personal rankings, and I did this last year, and I drafted every startup and every rookie dynasty draft the same. I went straight off of it. So when somebody was selected, I marked them out, and I just took the best player available at every spot. For me, 
what that made me do is it allowed me to use rankings of someone that I trust. And then I'm picking every position or every player that's best at that spot. And I, and I loved it. And it, it took the decision out and it took everything. So now with the consensus rankings, I now no longer have to say, you know, there's some people that are accused of being an ageist. There's some analysts that are, uh, you know, accused of being zero running back. But if you have all of them mixed together, that's a pretty good list to go off of. No, and that's what's really exciting is I get to see firsthand. I update these rankings every week, and I get to see firsthand as free agents are being signed, as the draft is coming close, and once we don't know landing spots, which analysts are valuing certain players more now and which analysts are saying, hey, I think that's a downgrade. Like, for example, Tyreek Hill going to Miami. That's a downgrade for Tyreek Hill. He's not playing. He's not running routes for a Patrick Mahomes in an Andy Reid offense. He's running right. routes for Tua Tagovailoa. He also has Jalen Watt. He also has Mike Jasicki, um, which, of course, they have Travis Kelsey. They never had the real true number two. Um, right. I don't count Sammy Watkins as number two, so hopefully nobody nobody tries to throw that one out there. But um, Waddle's taking a hit. Um, Hill's taking a hit. But you've seen Tua Tagovailoa move up in people's rankings because of he now has Waddle and Tyreek Hill. What they can do offensively with two guys that run sub four fours is going to be impressive. On the other side of that, Patrick Mahomes, you've seen drop down to number two or number three in terms of dynasty rankings at the quarterback position behind Josh Allen and in some cases behind Justin Herbert because he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is 18. He's going into he's going to be 33 in this upcoming season. So you get to see firsthand the trends of these guys and how they're being ranked and how those things are changing as a landscape for these teams change. It's been really exciting. And I'm sharing that in real time with everybody on Twitter. Right. And I, and I love it. And again, it goes back to how to utilize it though. What are, what are we doing with this information that we get? And one of the things that I did last year with the rankings that I based every decision I made off of was that I would look and I would just simply see. So I got this person ranked 32nd. This other guy in my league has a player at 28 that I'd really like to have. He may value my guy at 32 better than he values his guy at 28. And just sending out trade offers, always just trying to move up the rankings. And it, it, it was just a great resource, a great way for me to just put out feelers. You can send a deal literally every day just simply looking at someone's roster and seeing if you can move up 10 to 12 spots on the dynasty rankings by flipping guys that he may value differently than you do based off the consensus rankings. And, man, I'll tell you, it's allowed me to make a lot of trades that I've been pretty happy with. Yeah, I mean, and that's the reality. It's telling you in real time what the experts in the field think about certain players. Um, and, again, you can go to all the articles you want to read. You can go to all the film guys. You can go to all the analytical guys. You can go to – just follow Twitter. I mean, there's content being put up every day by people that are far more talented than I am. Um, but it's neat to be able to put all that into one spot, one stop shop, say who has rankings that um, take the top analysts in this field and put it all in one space. And how do I utilize it walking into my draft? I think that's the fun of it. And that's where, look, my DMs are always open. Um, I'm always willing to answer questions on Twitter. And, and, and I have a lot of people that, that come out and reach people. I've given my cell phone number to now that send me text messages. Hey, I'm in a draft right now. You know, what would you do here? 
that's the funnest part about it is is be prepared for your draft understand how to read the board if you're in a startup draft a bunch of people you don't know we don't know what players they like yet we don't know you know how they like to trade or if they even like to trade and so you have to be like hey be as good in the draft as you can be set yourself up for success and then also understand how to navigate that and understanding how to read the board if there's a run at a certain position know how to adapt to it the rankings give you the ability to do that they do and they not only do they do that but what they do is they just give you a little sense of security that you're on the right page with what you're doing if you follow them but let's take a quick dive into them the, the thing that i looked at a lot over the last few days was your consistency consensus 250 and one of the ones that kind of shocked me is running backs Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. A year ago, Dalvin Cook was probably a hell of a lot higher in the rankings. Now, I think that should be completely reversed. But if you look at the consensus rankings, you got Dalvin Cook at 36 and Joe Mixon at a you got Dalvin Cook at 36 and Joe Mixon right behind him, one spot lower. Um, I, I'm taking Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook pretty much. I, I would make that trade all day, every day. I feel like he's younger. He's got a better, younger offense around him. And I was really happy with what I saw from his – I feel like he is one of the true three-down backs that you don't see very much. And not that Dalvin Cook isn't, but he is older. And that injury concern, the injury concerns for both of them, but at the same time – I'm more worried about Dalvin Cook going long-term than I am Joe Mixon. And I think that's what's so great. So let me make this point because that's such a great question. There, I, Not only do I have the rankings of what all 23 analysts do, but I also have what the ADP is. And I got that information from DynastyLeagueFootball at DLF.com. Um, but if you take DynastyLeagueFootball.com, if you take Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook as an example, the average ADP is Dalvin Cook is 44.75, so basically the 45th pick. Joe Mixon, 45.75, so basically the 46th pick. They are literally going one after the other. And I think the knock on Joe Mixon, going back a couple years ago, was the injuries and how bad that offensive line in that football team was, right? Now, you've seen Joe Burrow come into town. You've seen what they've done in the offseason with shoring up the offensive line. They've now added Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. There's, you cannot load the box against – Cincinnati anymore so I think if you're looking into the future Joe Mixon to me is also I agree with you should be ranked higher what's interesting is they are literally when you add up all the points of the 23 analysts I have graded 24 analysts I've graded so far they are exactly the same number of points and understand how that works if you're ranked number one that's one point if you're ranked number eight that's eight points right so it's very simple to say that hey they are exactly the same number of points. So even though one falls at number eight and number nine or 36 and 37 overall, they both score the same 223 points and an average 9.7, which means a 10th pick, um, a 10th rate running back. So extremely, extremely close. But I'm like you. I'm looking to trade Dalvin Cook, and, and if someone buys into that, you know, what they do offensively with in Minnesota, great. I'll take Joe Mixon plus and Dalvin, over Dalvin Cook every day of the week and twice on Sunday. I'm with you. Here's another one that I found interesting. So we're in agreement there. Though. So let's talk about the next one. In my home dynasty league, I have uh, it's one quarterback league. So quarterbacks obviously aren't as valued as they are in SF. 
But I have Baker Mayfield two months ago as my number one quarterback. Obviously, you can't be pretty happy with him if he's your quarterback heading into the season. So I had two first-round picks in the 2023 draft, and I had the opportunity to trade the second, the worst of the two, for Trey Lance, and I, I, I bought it. I quick. I was line hook and sinker. I, I'm yeah. all in on Trey Lance and the opportunities that he has both in that offense and the opportunities that his rushing ability gives. But it doesn't mean that I wasn't a little surprised to see that consistency rankings have him above both excuse me, Trevor, and above Justin. And obviously, I mean Trevor um, and Justin Fields. So with that being said, how do you view those three uh, second-year quarterbacks? And why do you think that Trey has already surpassed them, even though he played less than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields last year? You know, and I'm going to try to shorten this up because this could be a very long answer, but you know, I think with, with quarterbacks, especially if they're pretty evenly graded, and you look at last year's, you know, rookie quarterback class, you had Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, um, and Zach Wilson, right? And there's a lot of guys based on analysts that, that usually there was a shuffle between the top three, which were Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, and usually at four or five was Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. And I think what's interesting in the NFL, it's so important what your landing spot is in the NFL, who the offensive coordinator is, what type of scheme do they run? And what are the pieces around you to make you successful? And I think that's what you're seeing this year with Trey Lance having very little playing time going into the 2022 season. He's ranked higher than Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields simply because he has Kyle Shanahan as a play caller. He has a good offensive line. You have George Kittle. You have Debo Samuel. You have Brandon Ayuk. And you have an offense that's really, really good at the run game. They're really, really good in the RPO game. And a quarterback that has the ability in the red zone to bolt your touchdowns away from Elijah Mitchell in that backfield. So it makes sense to me that Trey Lance is, is above those two, strictly based on landing spot and opportunity. Um, Trevor Lawrence could not have been drafted into a worse scenario with Urban Meyer and, and what they've done in Jacksonville. Um, he'll get Travis Etienne back this year. I think he'd have been a big part of that offense last year and what he can do from the backfield and lining up as a receiver. So I do see some improvement in year two for Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields. You know, is unfortunately Matt Nagy. We've, we've seen what he did with Mitchell Trubisky, what he's doing did with Justin Fields, and the Andy Dalton debacle. So, to me, those three are in the right order: Trey Lance, then Trevor Lawrence, then Justin. Fields. Although I would put Justin Fields above Trevor Lawrence, so I take that back. I do think Justin Fields has better upside than Trevor Lawrence. I don't think Jacksonville's done anything. Uh, yeah, they brought Christian Kirk in, and they brought some other wide receivers in like Jay Jones, but those guys don't excite me. Um, Justin Fields does lose Allen Robinson. I, you know, I hate to cut you off, but it's so funny yeah. or so ironic or so – this community is so fickle. And, and it, oh. you, you, you rewind to a year and a half ago, and literally Trevor Lawrence was the greatest prospect NFL has seen since Andrew Luck. And then prior to him, it was, you know, good old Peyton Manning. Prior, you know what I'm getting at? I'm getting at is that – now we're looking at where you would have him ranked possibly behind both Trey and Justin. Look, and hey, I was one of those guys, and, and, and C. Williams, you know, Christian Williams uh, at C. Williams NFL, we're going to keep plugging him because, you know, he's a big part of what we do. But um, he had Justin Fields as his number one quarterback. If I remember correctly, I had Trevor Lawrence, then I had Justin Fields, and then I had Trey Lance, and then I had Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Um, again, 
Urban Meyer, the situation in Jackson was a little bit different. I do believe in the talent of Justin Fields. I didn't love the situation. Um, I was a big advocate going into last season that you should have played Justin Fields early on. Uh, what happened in Chicago was more a matter, and I've got a buddy of mine who's a coach with the Bears, so I, I feel like I've got some inside information there. But um, Matt Nagy was not ready for Justin Fields. When you look at QB1 and Andy Dalton and QB2 and Justin Fields, those are two completely different type of offensive schemes schematically as a guy who's been an offensive coordinator, understanding that what you're going to do with those two quarterbacks is completely different, right? It's not like in Baltimore where you have Lamar Jackson and if Tyler Huntley comes in, your offense doesn't change a whole lot. In Chicago, it was a completely different offense between Andy Dalton and what they could do with Justin Fields. Matt Nagy had no idea how to incorporate Justin Fields into that offense, and that was crystal clear from the lack of utilization of Allen Robinson, the lack of utilization of Darnell Mooney as a, as a solid number two, now number one, um, how they use David Montgomery. Uh, it, it was such – Justin Fields could not have been in a worse situation than he was last year. And I think that's why you're seeing the consensus say, hey, I like the opportunity for Trey Lance, Kyle Shanahan's offense, with that offensive line, what they do schematically, and how Kyle Shanahan can scheme Trey Lance in a good situation. So to me, the order is – Again, I put Justin Fields above Trevor Lawrence just based off of skill set. Um, but I see why the consensus says Trevor Lawrence, I mean, just based off of what he was as a prospect coming in. Now, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun because there haven't been a lot of quarterback classes like the one we had last year. And obviously this year isn't that class. And there wasn't a lot of excitement after the season in the class after it all went down. But for me, I'm pretty stoked about all of them. I would be pretty, pretty excited to, to roster any of them. And we're going to get into another rookie from last year right off the bat here. And you asked me a question prior to the podcast, and that's if I look at your rankings, or I should say if I look at the consensus rankings based off of where people stood, what quarterback after 25 in the, in, in the consensus rankings would I want the most? And I, I'm looking at it, and it seems as if you, as you got, if we can do a screen share, if we knew more about this uh, technology, we'd probably make it look better. But at 26, you got Jameis Winston. At 27, you got Maker, Baker Mayfield. If Jameis Winston at 26 doesn't do much this year, his future in dynasty football is limited to like backup role only. Baker Mayfield still doesn't have a team. Matt Corral doesn't have a team. Plus, we don't even know if Matt Corral can really play in the football, NFL football at number 28. Then you got Daniel Jones and you got Sam Howell. And now at number 31, you have the guy that I would pick as my sleeper. And that's Davis Mills. And for a guy who used to be the number one recruit out of high school and to get to be the third round pick of the Houston Texans last year, he was the first pick in the draft for them last year because they didn't have a first and second, and to do with very limited skill players around him other than Brandon Cooks, I like Brandon – I excuse me, I like very much to have an opportunity to get Davis Mills on my team because you don't have to pay a lot, but his future, if he continues his progress, looks pretty good in that situation. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about Davis Mill, and I agree with you, I've got the same guy. We so the question is, who would you take outside of the top 25 as a sleeper at the quarterback position? 
And I'm with you. You know, if you look at, can you see the screen? By the way, I did share it. Hopefully, you can see okay. it. I've never. I, I'm with you. Before. I took Davis Mills, who right now is ranked 31st overall. So he's outside the top 25. He's coming in in terms of average ADP based on Dynasty League football. Um, he's being picked at the 91st spot, which is in the seventh round um, in a 12-team league. So he he's a guy that that I agree. Um, you've got analysts have him as low as 33, which is interesting because that's outside the top 32, which is 32 teams in the NFL. And you've got some guys that have him as high as um, 22, I think is his highest, which is about where I would probably put him around 25, 26. Um, but he's just outside the top 25 in the consensus. I love what we saw from Davis Mills. I think he had four games over 300 yards passing. Again, not a great offensive line, not a great you know, running back situation was not great with David Johnson, who they had in the back of the last year. The wide receiver situation, yes, you had Brandon Cooks, you had Nico Collins drafted out of Michigan. Uh, but I, I believe there's a lot of upside in Davis Mills. I like the fact that I think he's going to get an opportunity this year to, to, again, play a full schedule and really truly see what they have in Davis Mills. So I'm with you. He, he's the guy that I would pick as well. All right, so let's uh, move on to running backs. So slip your switch your screen to running backs, and we're going to go with my running back perk. You want to go with yours first? Yeah, we can do mine first. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us who your running back selection is. And the way you worded it to me was any running back from 51 on. So who is your running back from 51 on that you're going to try and get if there's value in him getting in startup drafts? So what you can see on the screen is you can see uh, the top 50. So at number 50 is James Cook, which, again, that's based off the draft and for analysts see him. And then you can see where the analysts rank him. So, for example, you got one analyst that ranks him 48th overall, 40th and 67th. If you're reading left to right, then he gets his overall ranking based on the points scored. Um, so at at so there's two things. So I'm going to make a little joke here. Last year. When I did Project 32, which I broke down all 32 teams of every position group and then gave them their total grade at the end, I had the Houston Texans just for fun going 0-17. I didn't love the coaching hire. And, of course, we've already seen how that's played out with David Cullip and where that went. So I was spot on with that. But they did win a couple games. They played better than I thought they would. But um, I literally – when Davis Mills for the quarterback. So for the running back position, because I, I feel bad about what I did with Houston. Um, I like what they're trying to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to take Marlon Mack, uh, who they just picked up. The only competition in the backfield is Dario Gamawale. And um, the other guy, Kenny Murrow, off the top of my head, it's not even important, right? Um, I, I think that what he could potentially do in the offense in Houston for a team, I think after the draft, is going to is going to improve themselves and put themselves in a better position. So my running back outside the top fifty is Marlon Mack, who comes in at now where is he even at down here? He's pretty low. He's he's pretty low, right? So I I, I, I dug deep. I, I was going to go Chris. No, he Carson. Get, he's at eighty three. Yeah, eighty three. I was going to go Chris Carson, uh, even with Rashad Penny in that backfield. But now that they have Drew Locke instead of Russell Wilson and, and kind of where that team is at. I just feel like Marlon Mack has an opportunity. Now, he had a major injury. He's coming back from that. He's still only 26 years old. I feel like he's got two to three, year good, two to three good years left. I think there's an opportunity for Marlon Mack to be successful this year in Houston. So I went Marlon Mack. Oh, you know, I, I don't hate it. And why I don't hate it is because what we saw from Cam Akers during the playoff season, what we saw from him 
was the guy who just came off an Achilles injury. And yes, his numbers weren't great, but he was back out there. So, but that tells you that is that Marlon Mack may have something left in the tank. And what you're looking for in a sleeper pick is opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. He may just get that opportunity. And I like your pick, but my pick's a little bit different. My pick is the same reason why in both of my home leagues and every league that I could possibly do is that I selected last year Elijah Mitchell. I loved the fact that if you look back at the history of San Francisco running backs, if they have any skill level, they're going to get an opportunity at some point in the season to play. You've seen it with Jeff Wilson. You've seen it with Mostert. You've seen it with Elijah Mitchell. And I believe at some point next year, you're going to see it with Trey Sermon. And Trey Sermon on your rankings is number 54. Do I want to pick Trey Sermon any quicker or any sooner than that spot? No. But if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at a running back who's got a possibility to be the lead role in an offense that running backs excel in, Trey Sermon's my my sleeper. I, I feel like if you look at recent posts, if you look at the way he is attacking the offseason, there unfortunately every top college football player has been so pushed on a mantle that some of them really think all they got to do is show up and be successful. Unfortunately, a lot of them realize real quick that everybody at the NFL is pretty damn good and pretty damn yeah. athletic. And so with that being said, I think last year was a wake-up call to see a guy like Elijah Mitchell drafted in the fifth round do so much more than you did when you your team, the same team that drafted you, traded up to pick you. He's going to get an opportunity. And if he does well in that opportunity, I think Trey Sermon as a sleeper pick, you can't go wrong with it. No, and I think that's one thing Kyle Shanahan has proven is that, is that San Francisco has always been kind of a running back by committee. Now, I think Elijah Mitchell has done enough to be the RB1 there, but I, I do believe that Kyle Shanahan believes in fresh legs, and I expect San Francisco to play with the lead, although in a very tough division, AFC West. But I, I still think that, that uh, Elijah Mitchell is the guy there. But if you're talking, again, if you're talking outside the top 50, I think Trey Sermon is a good choice. His average ADP is 202.5. So basically he's being taken at the at the later end of the 16th round, early 17th round in fantasy football drafts. I think that's a great dart throw. I think Jeff Wilson, Jamichael Hasty have proven they're not going to be the guy. So I do think you're going to see this year with Kyle Shanahan, you're going to see more Elijah Mitchell and more Trey Sermon. So I like the pick. Yeah. So let's move on to receivers now. Can you throw your receiver list up there? You got it. Our receivers. This was one outside of top 75, right? Outside of top 75. So if we look at your top 75. Now, if we look at a team with a quarterback who has won the MVP the last two years, and that quarterback has lost his number one receiver and has done nothing during the offseason to improve themselves at the receiver spot, and you have an opportunity to select a guy who is ranked at 96 in the consensus rankings, and that person being Alan Lazard, I'm all in. And usually I do everything in my power not to take anybody higher 
than what rankings I go off of in a draft. So if I'm sitting at rank, if I'm sitting at pick 88, and I got Alan Lazard, and my and my consensus rankings say pick 96, I don't know. I, I think I may have to, to give it a shot to him because he has shown limited success working with working with Aaron Rodgers. And there's nobody left there. They haven't done anything in the draft. They have a history of showing that they don't. They seem to be an organization that picks best player available. And if receiver is not that person, they go away from it. And so with that being said, Alan Lazard, I'm happy as hell to get him as a sleeper. No, and, and, and hey, I think that's what's interesting about what's, what's happening right now in the NFL is there's a shift in – you're seeing wide receivers being the guys that are getting paid. You look at Devontae Adams, you look at Stephon Diggs, you look at Christian Kirk and what they're signing in terms of free agent contracts. So I, I don't hate the pick. Um, at the same time, I'm not, I'm not a big Alan Lazard fan, but but I get it. Um, with Devontae Adams moving on and where Alan Lazard is in, in, in his situation, there's an opportunity there for him to see some volume. I do think targets, again, we, we talk about this all the time on Twitter, um, targets are earned. So I think the mistake a lot of people make is say, hey, uh, you know, Devontae Adams is an example. He's leaving Green Bay, right? There's there's 150 targets vacated. Those 150 targets are going to go to Alan Lazard. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? Marcus Marquez Valdez-Scanley has moved on to Kansas City. It looks like a great situation for Alan Lazard and where he's landed, where he's at. Uh, so I get the pick. It'll be interesting to see it. I don't believe in the overall talent necessarily. But I can certainly see a situation where he does well if Green Bay does not address the, uh, the, the the wide receiver position. But I went a little bit differently. So I did go Davis Mills at quarterback uh, outside the top 25. I went Marlon Mack outside the top 50 at running back. Um, staying with the Houston theme, if I was going to do that, I would go Nico Collins. If Brandon Cooks who potentially could be traded, I deserve deserves to be traded, although it would be terrible for Davis Mills. Um because Houston's in a rebuilding stage. If anybody's in a rebuilding phase right now, it's going to be Houston. But I'm going to take Jamison Crowder, you know, at, at 28 years old. And I look at Dynasty in, in two to three-year windows. And you've seen players at the wide receiver position that can be very effective at 30, 31, 32, and 33 years old. He goes into an offense in Buffalo that has Stephon Diggs, has Gabriel Davis. We know what he did late in the season in the playoffs. Um, he feels that Cole Beasley type of role. If you want to look at Cole Beasley's stats, he was a, a target machine in, in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I just think Jamison Crowder, he's proven it in the new with the New York Jets on terrible football teams. He can be relied upon. He had two seasons over 100, 100 targets, one with 122. I see Jamison Crowder as a guy outside the top 75 that can pay big dividends late in drafts. Um, I have him at 228 which I believe is round 18. You can pick him up in, in 14 drafts. Uh, I like that spot for him. I like the value and the return on investment there. So I'm going to go with James Crowder. I'm not mad because, I mean, if you saw him play two and three years ago with Sam Darnold, he was literally the only person Sam Darnold had. And he put up some pretty damn impressive slot numbers from the slot position. But you brought up Gabriel Davis. That's the only reason why I didn't go there because yeah. I uh, – I think Gabriel Davis, after his four-touchdown performance in the playoffs, is going to get the number one opportunity to be that guy. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, obviously he has proven over the years to be able to do it. So I'm not mad at your pick at all. 
Let's move on to tight ends. With tight ends, can you can you throw your tight end list out? We went 21 yeah. on. So we had to pick a tight end from 21 on. Who do we want to pick? And I took the easy way out, and I took number 21. And But I just didn't do it simply because that was the first person I could pick. But I really like his talent, and that's David Mihoko. And I never say it correctly, so if I said it wrong, I apologize. But with that being said, you lose the number one tight end by money, and he went off to where – did, where did he sign? Number one tight end, former guy from Kansas City. Uh, C.J. Ozoa. Nope, he was with Cincinnati. Number one tight end from, uh, I'm not sure, he was the guy that they got from Atlanta. I, I don't know why I'm blanking. Oh, Hayden this Hurst. Probably being old. Who? Hayden not Hurst. Hayden Hurst. He was the reason. <laughs> Anyways, Cleveland lost their number one tight end who they signed two years ago. The guy they picked up from freaking Arizona, excuse me, from Atlanta, and I'm blanking. And now he's gone. Austin Hooper. Who? Austin Hooper. Thank you so much. This is why you guys follow us. I just need more information. I'm gonna say I, I, I give you as much as I from day one. If you can't help me out more, I'm gonna get. I mean, come on. Uh, but with that being said, Austin Hooper is gone. You've got a guy like freaking say what you want. We're not here to talk about whether or not he should have got the contract he did, or whether or not he should have been traded for at all. And Sean Watson. The reality is, at some point. He's going to be playing football for those guys. And David Nahuku is going to definitely benefit from him. So I'm taking him as my sleeper. I actually love that pick. I, I think that when you and I talked before, um, you didn't know, we didn't know who each other's picks were. We kind of joked around about who we might be taking. I think David Njoku is great. He's just outside the top 20 and 21. So I kind of feel like you cheated. Um, but I get it. You took the first guy outside the top 20. I think what's interesting with the consensus rankings, too, is Logan Thomas comes in at 22 and an average ADP of 167.25. So he's actually being taken. He's ranked as 22 in the consensus just behind David Njoku. But in terms of average ADP, he's actually going before David Njoku, which I find interesting coming off an injury. Um, I believe in the talent of David Njoku. He's a young guy. Whereas Logan Thomas is an ex-quarterback, uh, converted to tight end. So I, I like the David Njoku ranking above Logan Thomas for sure. I would definitely buy in on David Njoku just based on age alone and dynasty. I went a little bit different. So I went Brevin Jordan. Okay. Staying with the Houston Texans theme. Again, this might be me feeling bad about picking the Houston Texans to go 0-17 last year in the Project 32 just for fun. But he comes in at 215. So he's coming in around the 17th round. Um, of dynasty drafts. And so I think there's great value there. Um, I believe that uh, he's got Farrell Brown, which is the backup tight end who I like as an athlete, but he's just never quite converted that into production at the NFL level. So I think Brevin Jordan is a, is a great guy. Um, again, if we're buying the, the, the uh, projection of Davis Mills and what we think he's going to do in the Houston offense, or what they're going to do to build around him in the draft, I think Brevin Jordan is a great pick at, uh, especially if they keep, Brandon Cooks. So I think you're going to see defenses roll coverage of Brandon Cooks, whether that's taking your number one corner, if that corner is, which you see very few in the NFL, corners that will actually shadow wide receiver ones. You don't see that as much as people think in the NFL, but 
if that happens to Brandon Cooks, then you're going to roll coverage into your number two, which is going to be Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan. But I like what Brevin Jordan, I think, can do if you're looking at an offense that's playing from inside out, targeting tight ends, slot receivers, and running backs. I like I like what Brevin Jordan can do in that offense in Houston if, if, if Davis Mills can continue progressing here, too. If I, if I were to add a second one, I, I like the Brevin Jordan pick, first and foremost, because he was yeah. high on a lot of analysts' rookie drafts last year. Whether I mean, it sometimes it takes a while for a rookie to figure it out. So I have no issues with that pick. But if I were to pick a second one, I love Robert Tanyan at 31 uh, because you lose Adams. You lose – he's had history in the past. He, he had at least nine touchdowns two years ago in a season. So, I mean – that's a great freaking stat or dart throw late in the game as well, especially with Adams being gone. But with that said, yeah. Uh, yeah. let's move on. And let's just move on to the 250, top 250 rankings at all. And I know that you wanted to expand more on it. So give me more on what you would do with a list like this. So, again, this is about me creating rankings that people can feel more confident walking into drafts, whether it's online or in person, in their home leagues. And if it's winning, you know, beating your best friend from high school, whatever it is. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to win your win your draft. So this top 250 is is basically saying, hey, in a super flex league, um, who are the top 250 players? And if the board was to fall – the way it is now again if i go back to draft strategy i'm a huge believer in reading the board based on understanding runs at certain positions how to leverage where you're at how to tier your rankings or create clusters but i don't want to get too far into that right now i want to keep it basic but this top 250 so i see typically in and i've done quite a few of startup drafts already this off season so i have some good statistical analysis to go with but Typically, you're seeing six quarterbacks go in a row. You're seeing Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow before you see the wide receiver one. You talked about this earlier, Brett. We were seeing more of a shift with people picking wide receivers that can play 12 to 15 years in the NFL versus running backs might have seven or eight good years at the NFL level. And then you drop into Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson at wide receiver. Um, Dak Prescott is a ninth overall pick at QB7. And finally, Jonathan Taylor at RB1 um, at the 10th overall pick. So what's great about this top 250 is you can take this information into any draft, understanding positional runs, and use this to make yourself create a very good situation on draft day um, to leverage and build a very good roster in terms of roster construction in your dynasty leagues. No, I totally agree. I've already told you how I utilize my own rankings. And this yeah. year... I'm going to utilize these rankings when I, I may not be in a lot of startups. And that's because after 37 leagues last year, I, I can't, I, I just, I'm just, there's a certain level of guilt that comes when you're not able to be as active in a league as you should be. You should treat every league like it's your home league, but when you have 37 of them, that isn't easy to do. So with that being said, yeah, if I were to join any more drafts, man, I'm going off of this right off the bat because it gives you such a great tool on how the people that put the time and effort to put it together feel, feel about the people in the draft. So I love it. I can't imagine going into a draft and not having some type of tool like this. 
Now, I will say this. I, th I think what's interesting, if you look at certain position runs and, and, and how the draft might play out, is you look at, you know, for example, DK Metcalf. I have him at wide receiver 10. No longer Russell Wilson. As of right now, based on current roster construction, Drew Locke is a starting quarterback in Seattle. There are rumors about Drew Metcalf being traded. Um, if that situation happens, he ends up in a better offense and he ends up in a better system, then, yeah, that that could move up. But these these that's a great thing about these rankings. By the time you get to – They're fluid. Yeah, they're fluid because I'm going to change them every week based on the offensive system they're in, who the offensive coordinator is, trends of that offensive coordinator in the NFL. It is a deep dive into – what happens and people need to understand how much research goes into creating this top 250 then i'm very confident if you walk into your draft with this information you can be very successful um, i don't view dk metcalf as a guy that's a pure route runner in terms of he doesn't have a full route tree he still struggles to sink the hips and get in and out of breaks i'm a former wide receiver coach i played the position in college i feel like that's my strength um, but again, if you can get him at wide receiver 10 as a 25th overall pick, I like the value. If you look at other positions, like I'll give you an example, Zeke Elliott. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Cowboy fan. I was a big advocate of Zeke Elliott in last offseason, entering 2021. He came into camp in great shape, the best shape he's been in since his rookie year. I felt like he was going to duplicate what, what he did in his first three or four years in the league. Unfortunately, he had a PCL injury. Um, I think the time has finally come that Tony Pollard will take over, uh, should take over. Now, people are going to argue he struggles in pass pro, which is why he's not utilized in obvious passing situations on third down. I believe you've seen him get more and more touches every single year of his NFL career. I think this is the year you see you see you could see Tony Pollard. So I would pass on Zeke Elliott as the 69th overall pick in RB22 for Tony Pollard, who comes in a little bit later, but I think you get better upside. He's younger. Um, he creates more in the passing game in terms of where I think Dallas Cowboys is going to go offensively. Um, so that's just another one that I would point out and say, hey, I'd rather take. Tony Pollard at his current value and his current ADP over Zeke Elliott right now and wait. Hey, I, I love it. And this is what you get to do when you have this sitting in front of you. You're looking at it and you're like, you don't have to agree at all with the rankings. But what you can do is say, God dang, I'm looking at these rankings. Tony Pollard, Pollard's value is so much better than Zeke Elliott's. I can wait and get who I think may be the better back in that system going forward and make great grind, great strides in your team development, roster development, simply because you got those rankings in front of you. And so, hey, you're starting to see Tony Pollard, even if you look at the consensus rankings, you have got analysts and sites. Now I put my own rankings on there as well. Uh, you're starting to see more and more people value Tony Pollard in terms of, again, it's dynasty. It's not redraft. If I'm a big believer in following the money, so if you look at Zeke Elliott's contract, they've got two more years um, under that contract. Um, now, two years from now, there's a little bit more of an out. But if you look at that, you're going to say, hey, Zeke Elliott's going to continue to get first and second down looks. He's going to continue to get goal line work. But if you look at the research, the, the surgeons of what Tony Pollard has done since he's entered the NFL, his volume has gone up in the passing game. His volume has gone up in the rushing game. 
He's more explosive. He creates a better situation for Dallas long term that I would absolutely buy Tony Pollard before I would buy Zeke Elliott based on current value. Sure. So I'm right there with you. All. Allen Robinson right now, just to bring up another example, Allen Robinson right now is wide receiver 37. <laughs> uh, right? And he just went to a Super Bowl contending, a Super Bowl winning team. I think Sean McVay is one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. I put him right up there at the same level with Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid and what they do offensively uh, in, in with the Rams. And he could not have landed in a better situation. So I look at that and say, hey, I would love Allen Robinson at wide receiver 37, uh, ranked 90th overall. I'll take that value all day long. If I'm in a draft with people that don't have this in front of them and you're in a home league and people are saying, oh, you know, Allen Robinson struggled last year, Matt Nagy, he had an off year. I don't know if I see the production with the Rams. Look, you're going to get it with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Um, Teams are going to be more focused on Cooper Cup than they are on Allen Robinson. So it becomes a very good wide receiver, too, and a very good offense in the NFL. So there's a lot of value there. Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 38. We don't know what they're going to do in Kansas City in the draft yet. But this is a guy that's been well over 120 targets a couple different times in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger. The talent's there. He, I think he's refocused. He's getting an offense with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and what they can do. So – I'm a big fan of Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, again, if they go Jameson Williams or Chris Olave late in the draft, then that affects Juju Smith-Schuster. Based on current roster construction, I think there's a lot of value there. I can't argue with you more, but here's the part of the show that I'm most excited about. And only because you're always sitting in rookie drafts and you're in the fourth or typically for me, most of my rookie drafts are four rounds. But if I'm sitting in a fourth round in a rookie draft and I'm looking for a sleeper, because that's where we're going to go right now, we're looking for rookie sleepers. And so with that being said, I'm I'm looking for guys that, A, especially when I do not have any draft capital. I don't know anywhere where anyone's been taken. I don't know where they're going. I don't know anything at all. So right now, if I had – in fact, today – I'm involved in one of uh, Ryan McDowell's rookie drafts with DLF just so he can create a shitload of ADP. I'm in the fourth round. I'm in pick 402. I picked Devin Williams today out of Oregon. So let's talk about that pick. A lot of people will simply say that I'm picking him because he is a former athlete who played for me as a wide receiver coach. And you know what? There might be some truth into it. But let's talk about Devin Williams' profile before we talk about simply that I once coached him. And his profile, coming out of high school, he was the number one athlete by ESPN and every recruiting analyst. Coming out of high school, he was somebody who can play multiple positions and make big things happen. Let me show some, some video. So I'm going to share the screen if you don't mind. Yep, I just I just stopped sharing mine. Perfect. So let's go share uh, share screen. Um, give me a second here, because hey, if you're on the coach approach, you must know we are not the most technically technologically sound people, but we'll figure it out. But let me just give you some clips from a kid who was the number one athlete coming to high school for his uh, senior in high school. He was a kid that was offered by Alabama, was offered by everybody, 
and he was living in a foster home at the time. And the foster parent was a huge U.S. And I'm not saying I am not. This is any conspiracy theorist. But he chose USC coming out of high school, despite the fact the entire time all he ever told me is that he'd like to go to Oregon. He spent a year at USC. After his time, right or wrong, he wasn't happy with his playing time at USC and transferred to the University of Oregon. After a couple of years of being behind the Pittmans and the Johnsons and other guys that are up at Oregon, last year he was the number one receiver for Oregon last year. Um, and so with that being said, let me see if I can sh just, just show some videos from him. You know, it's interesting, uh, Brett, as you bring that up. So I keep track of now again, I'm not sharing my screen anymore, but well, here we go. Rankings I have no for dynasty for veteran players. I do the same thing for rookies. So I've got 11 analysts to do rookie rankings and I'll be adding to that. They'll probably be over 20 by the time. Excuse me, by the time I'm done, but Devin Williams doesn't even make the top 25. Which I get it. I up. get it. Yeah. I get I, Listen, there's no reason why I don't believe you when you say things like that. I have looked him up endlessly, but the reality of it is when you see the talent straightforward, when you see a guy who not only passes the eyeball test just in his physical ability, but then you watch him as an athlete. There weren't many people better that I have seen in Southern California over the last 30 years. So because of that, if I'm sitting in the fourth round of a draft and I'm looking at a bunch of other people where you don't know what they're actually going to do, I'm comfortable taking Devin Williams in that spot. Coach, can you hear me? Anybody here, Coach? Because I don't. Sorry about that. I was rookie mistake. I was muted. Uh, All right. So back to my screen. But I, I think what's interesting about Devin Williams is, again, and I coach high school, you know, football out in Arizona. And so I know a lot of, like, John Robinson, seen him at Tucson South Point. Jack Miller, who was at, at – uh, Chaparral, who transferred out of Ohio State, got in the transfer portal, and Brock Purdy, and you know, there's a lot of guys out of Arizona high school football that are now getting an opportunity to play. You know, hopefully get drafted in the NFL. But I think that's what's so neat about. Uh, oh, there you go. Now you're sharing your screen. I can see it. Devin Williams. Devin Williams yeah, Devin Williams is extremely explosive, and when you look at the rookie rankings for the consensus, I think what you're seeing is the difference is. Some of these analysts, I don't know how much film they truly watch. And that's not a knock on the analysts for not having Devin Williams in their top 25. It's just saying, hey, sometimes we miss things. I mean, you look at NFL scouts, NFL GMs, and player personnel guys that play a pivotal role in how teams draft. They, make, they have misses all the time. If you look at mock drafts, you're lucky if you get four or five picks right in the entire first round because all it takes is one team to do something different to skew the rest of the draft. So a lot of people are going to say, oh, Devin Williams isn't showing up on any of my scouting reports. He's not showing up in any of my mock drafts. But this is a guy that in NFL circles that people are paying attention to, there is an opportunity for him. If he goes undrafted to sign as unrestricted free agent, 
and make an impact in the NFL. You see it every year. You saw it with James Robinson. You can go on and on and on about examples of guys that weren't highly touted that played well at the NFL level. So I like it. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big Oregon guy. I got a buddy of mine that played D-end at Oregon uh, back, in the, back in the heyday when, when uh, they were actually good and won the Rose Bowl. But uh, I lost a lot of Oregon football, and I think Devin Williams is a special kid for sure. Well, I mean, here's my thing. And we're talking about a sleeper for a reason. If we're, if I'm in the fourth round and I got an opportunity to pick somebody that a hell of a lot of people picked as the number one athlete three and a half, four years ago, and I know what the NFL bases almost everything off of is can you do it on the field? And this guy can do it on the field. So that, that that's my selection. So who do you got? I'm going to stop his uh, little highlight reel and we'll move on. No, I mean, look, I think people don't understand, too. I mean, the, the kid's a 6'5", 210 guy. I mean, you look you talk about size, you talk about arm length, you talk about his hand size. Uh, there's a lot of things about Devin Williams as a sleeper pick that you like coming in this NFL draft. Uh, so I, I, I get it. I understand the pick. I understand why you like him. Uh, I am having some some technical difficulties. For some reason, I'm not able to pull up my, my rookie rankings. But uh, I think one guy that, that I'm high on – oh, here we go. Sorry about that. One guy that I'm high on in terms of the – if we're talking about wide receiver position in terms of rookie picks, uh, I like George Pickens out of Georgia. I think he's a guy that can 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 be big in the right situation. Um, I like Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, what he can do at the next level. But if there's anybody that I really, truly like that I would say, hey, outside of the top seven, eight, nine guys that might go, Sky Moore is a guy I'm a big believer in. Um, out of Western Michigan. I, I think Sky Moore is a guy that brings a lot of talent in the right situation. I would love to see him end up in, a, in, a, in an offense like, can't, like uh, Kansas City. If somehow Dallas is fortunate enough to get him, he, you have a guy that you can move into uh, a situation that's going to be really good in, a, in the number one offense that led the league in, in passing yards last year. There's a lot of guys in the wide receiver position that I really, really like coming this year's class. No, it's, 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 probably, it's probably the deepest position in the draft. I mean, look, it's oh, not absolutely. a problem. It is. Yeah, it's it the is. deepest position in this draft. Well, Coach, what a great episode. I look forward to diving more into rookie profiles and getting into, uh, you know, just kind of ever-flowing changes that go along with rankings and just kind of trying to provide an opportunity for people to uh, be more prepared for the draft. So thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to doing this again. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, man. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate it, Bruce. Everyone else, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to jumping in again next week.